Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Are you an adult yet, Ryan Wong? When did you start uh-huh. to feel like an adult? Not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose you have to define what makes an adult. Is it the chance to vote, to go to the casino, to buy mm. stuff like cigarettes, or to have kids? You no, know, that sort of thing. I guess for different people, it's different. Even though it's a number... We still feel like kids deep inside. Young at heart, always. I think there should be an examination. So you know, I have a, you know some background in psychotherapy. When you know the frontal lobe is fully grown, and that's about twenty four, twenty five, and it's different for different people. And that part of the brain has to do with um, decision making. So when that part of the brain is fully grown. And you've been certified by a neurosurgeon. Only then can you call yourself an adult. Okay, so you need uh, an X-ray of sorts, a CT scan, and yeah. a bit of a questionnaire. And then put it on your IC. So every time somebody goes on a date oh, with you, you have right. to show whether or not your frontal lobe is fully grown. I would revolutionize the dating world. That's an interesting idea. So are you an adult, Michelle? <laughs> fully grown, Ryan. Fully grown. All right, let's start the morning with the world of institutional buying and directed deals. Which companies are purchasing their own shares and which companies directors are buying or selling shares of the companies where they work? Now, given that the Singapore market did not do very well last week, it's interesting to note that institutions were net buyers of Singapore shares. They purchased more than $90 million worth of stock. Wow. The property developer OUE led the way, followed closely by Food Empire Holdings. OUE purchased more than 240,000 shares last week. This is part of a much bigger share buyback plan of more than 3.7 million shares. Now, this past week, OUE paid an average price of 1.18 dollars, I should say, per share. And that's actually a couple of cents higher than OUE's current share price. Last I checked, it was $1.16. So the company lost more than half a million dollars on its buyback last week. What do you make of this? Yeah, I suppose you can't really win everything. We have to note that in the past year, the share price is down 5.6%. So perhaps things are starting to bottom out. But of course, when you try to do a share buyback, you try to do it at a time when things are not too expensive and it's going to mean value for your company and you think there's going to be upside ahead. So OUE perhaps thinking, no, it's time to get in. And it does bring its um, number of shares bought back on its current mandate to 3.72 million shares or around 0.44% of OUE's issued shares. So this is um, something they'll be looking at perhaps more closely to show up more buybacks in the coming quarters. I mentioned at the top of the broadcast that Food Empire Holdings was also one of the biggest purchases of stock last week. The company is known for its instant beverages like Cafe Fur and Mac Tea. Its products are sold in some 50 countries while Food Empire bought back 200,000 shares last week at an average price of $1.13 per share. The purchase did not move the needle either way though as Food Empire shares finished the week unchanged. I'm going to look Look at director deals now. Now, one company that's really caught my eye is Intraco. Its business is pretty diverse. It distributes and trades plastic resins and provides mobile radio infrastructure services. It also offers accredited investors the opportunity to invest in French wine via mm. digital wine tokens. So I said diverse, right? Intraco's executive chairman is Mark Lyman. 
Is Mark buying or selling Intrico shares? He is buying and it's worth noting it was an at an average price of 26 cents per share. So this takes his direct interest from 0.53% to 0.71%. So let's take a check-in on the price right now and it is now 28 cents. So in fact, he bought it at a cheaper price and it's now a bit more expensive by 2 cents. But worth noting, the share price is down about 3.5% in the past year. So quite a similar trend to what's been playing out for OUE. Um, maybe he sees value as well. Intraco shares climbed 7.6% last week. And on paper, Intraco's executive chairman has already made $400,000 on his share purchase last week. Let's turn to the U.S. markets now, where shares rallied a little bit on Friday. The S&P 500 closed up about 0.2%, but it wasn't enough to offset losses from earlier in the week, which means that the benchmark index broke a nine-week winning streak. It finished down 1.5%. That's it is. <laughs> It's worst performance since Halloween. The Nasdaq did even worse, dropping three and a quarter percent. The Dow finished in the red as well. Ryan, the latest economic data out of the U.S. seems relatively benign. The U.S. economy added more jobs than expected in December. Wages rose a little as well, but the unemployment rate there steady at three point seven percent. So, why? does investor sentiment seem to be so bearish right now? What's the narrative? Yeah, so it's all around rate expectations. And for quite some time, the Fed has been saying it might be in for some rate cuts this year. Mm -hmm. And markets are trying to price in when. And that when was supposed to be in March. But now you've got a bit of a data point to look at, which is the latest jobs data. The non-farm payrolls came in slightly hotter than expected, over 200,000. And that's above the consensus forecast of around 170,000. So right. more jobs added than expected, which signals perhaps the economy is hotter than expected, which means the Fed is perhaps more inclined to leave rates where they are for a bit longer. Those rate cut expectations might have to be pushed back. So a bit of unwinding of what's been priced in. An article in Market Watch really caught my eye on this. It argues that the S&P 500's movement over the past five days of the trading year provides a good indication of how stocks will finish the year. If you look at market data going back to the 50s, there's a 69% correlation between the first and full year performance, first week and full year performance. And during the US election years, like this one, that correlation rises to 83%. That's not a positive sign for 2024, but let's root for that other 17% and positive finish for the year. All right, if we look ahead, what is on your radar for the week? Yeah, a couple of things to watch out for. Mm -hmm. So from jobs, we move to inflation and that's with the CPI numbers and PPI numbers, mm. consumer and producer numbers coming out from the US. Also, inflation numbers out from China as well as Japan. And later on in the week, the earnings season kicks off with the banks, JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, BNY Mellon, alongside Delta and United Health. So if you look at the banks, what's going to be in focus is the M&A stuff. Like, are we seeing investment banking picking up in terms of a recovery? And also, in terms of provisions, are the likes of JP Morgan thinking maybe it's time to weather some of the uh, storms because of what's been playing out in the past few quarters. You know, all these rate hikes, will they mean pain for companies having to um, figure out how to pay back some of the loans? Will it temper or at least dampen 
investor appetite or borrowing appetite. So mm-hmm. you've got that um, loans provision dynamic as well to keep an eye out for. Um, so a lot of interesting dynamics in mm-hmm. the coming days that could steer market direction. All right, let's turn to commodity markets because the price of gold is up 11% over the past three months. It's currently trading at around 2050 US dollars an ounce. However, there is some turmoil in the industry, this time in the boardroom of a company which is the largest gold miner listed in the UK. The company is called Endeavor Mining. It's backed by an Egyptian billionaire. It operates mines in several West African countries over the weekend, Endeavor fired its CEO for quote serious misconduct. So, what did Endeavor CEO do? Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. It is quite confusing. There isn't a lot of detail going by the statement. At least it seems that the CEO was giving some irregular payment instructions. So that's what is being termed, and this is related to an asset sale. And the payment instruction was to the tune of $5.9 million. So, in essence, one creditor that was after um, Endeavor's payment to be paid back. Uh, So, he gave an instruction to offset that amount owed to the company for essential security equipment to protect its partners and employees in an unspecified conflict zone. So, essentially offsetting that payment with a butter of goods or services. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, this did not go down well with the board. And to top it off, the Mm -hmm. CEO says he did not benefit financially, personally, Mm -hmm. and did not cost the company anything extra. So that's his defense, but it did not do enough to save his job. So, Endeavor's former CEO, um, De Montesus, denies any wrongdoing, but he authorized a payment of nearly $6 million from one of Endeavor's creditors to a security company. Now, he says he did not profit from this transfer, but admits could have been more transparent. Endeavor shares fell nearly 15% in intra-session trade in London before closing down 7%. We've talked a lot about commodity scandals on this show in recent times. One of the most egregious, perhaps, you remember those bag of rocks masquerading as nickel at the London Metal Exchange warehouse? And let's not forget the billion-dollar nickel fraud case involving Singapore's Envy Global or the current court case of OK Lim and Hin Leong trading. The list is long, but why do we see so much turmoil and why have we seen so much in the mining and metal trading industries of late? Yeah, if you just look at the headlines all around, for example, stuff like ESG going greener, transition, and the mining space is not really the poster boy for these these things. So investor capital flow has been moving elsewhere. That's one reason at least why the interest going into investing in such places is starting to wind down. And it's not just investors. You've got activists, lobbies going against some of these companies in some places. It's led to some shutdowns in some of the mining facilities. And as you expect, if you don't mine, if you're a mining company, you're not going to get revenue. So on that front, they are also suffering uh, suffering from some of the loss of revenue streams. So this is what's facing many of these mining companies. You've got uh, moving or changing time when it comes to interest. Indeed. No doubt there is a lot of money to be made in commodities, but Bloomberg puts it this way. The mining industry has spent a decade trying to reassure investors, but those efforts have taken a beating. One more commodity market note before we move on. Saudi Arabia is lowering crude oil prices. This in the face of falling demand. It's lowering prices by two US dollars a barrel. Hopefully we'll see this cut passed on to consumers at the petrol station 
But on that note of hope, I pivot now to up or down. First up, Ryan, Hong Kong's first IPO of the year uh, belongs to a company called RoboSense. Now, since then, up or down? All right, I am going RoboSense for an up, and this is excuse me a down, <laughs> and this is as as day one debut did not really play out well. It was down. But it does look like an interesting company. Mm. It is developing what's called LIDAR, laser imaging and detection and ranging, which is pretty much what the EV cars or autonomous cars in future might use to figure out what's around them Mm -hmm. and also make their ways around the road by themselves. Some of the vacuum cleaners already use LIDAR. Mm. So, uh, RoboSense is a Chinese company, listener. It's now listed in Hong Kong, and you heard about LIDAR. That's technology for self-driving cars. So crucial, right? International investors appeared to be quite keen on RoboSense. It was initially oversubscribed, but the company did not attract much public interest, and its shares finished in the red on their first day of trade this past Friday. So that's a down for RoboSense and for Hong Kong's IPO market. How is Moderna and Bayer? Is it looking like it could be a good year? I am going for an up for it. And this is as it sees its startup, Metagenomy, <laughs> filing for an IPO. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Metagenomy. You did, perfectly. All right, so they've come up with a bit of a startup, Moderna and Bayer together. And they are part of a list or bandwagon of startups going for an IPO. So promising times. It's encouraging to see more appetite for capital raising in the US at least. So it is seeing like perhaps the... Break cuts in the coming quarters could provide some tailwinds for IPOs. Yeah, I join you there. It's definitely an up. It could be a big year for pharmaceutical companies, I think. Moderna and Bayer spinning off that joint venture called Metagenomy. That's a gene editing company. And it's filed the paperwork for a 100 million US dollar IPO. So I think things are looking pretty rosy for Moderna and Bayer. Let's look at Foxconn. All right, Foxconn is going to be a down for me. And mm. this is pretty much what I've been hearing about Apple. Uh, iPhone 15 sales not doing so well, not promising times for iPhone 16 and other stuff belong to Apple. And Foxconn makes a lot of stuff for Apple. So it's also looking a bit gloomy when it comes to what to expect. And they expect first quarter revenue to drop after what they saw in the fourth quarter, demand slowing down. Mm -mm. Foxconn is an iPhone supplier and its primary assembler. They're a Taiwanese company and it's reporting a drop in revenue for the last quarter of 2023 and it's expecting a further decline for the first quarter of this year. So down for Foxconn and for Apple, which, by the way, is facing the prospect of a major antitrust case over in the U.S. How's Boeing looking? All right, Boeing is down for me and this Mm -hmm. is yet again. Around its 737 MAX, going through a lot of issues in the past few years. Now, more of its latest version of the Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes are grounded. You might have caught the viral picture over the weekend on social media. A gaping hole on the side of a plane with passengers around it. It's just like out of a movie. A hole in the plane where the door was supposed to be. Well talk about a window seat, right? So mm. this is really shaking the confidence of investors. You know, what's going wrong with Boeing and more planes, not just in the US, but also in places like Turkey and other countries are starting to you know, sit up and take notice. Maybe we need to investigate 
So Boeing 737 MAX 9, not a good start to the year. Yeah, it was a horrific photo, that one. The window panel on an Alaska Airlines plane flew out after takeoff, just blew out. You're not supposed to lose part of your fuselage when you take off on a plane. The plane suffered a rapid loss of cabin pressure. The pilots of the 737 MAX 9, the Boeing plane, had to make an emergency landing. Fortunately, no one was seriously injured, but airlines and regulators across the globe are understandably grounding Boeing 737 MAX planes, which is bad news for Boeing, as well as United Airlines, which is one of the biggest flyers of the plane. Tesla next. All right, Tesla. Elon Musk. Again, making the news for wrong reasons, and it's around drug use. And this is, as you imagine, starting to raise some concerns around the bond, mm. investors, and so on. So this is around Elon Musk taking drugs, basically stuff like LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, psychedelic mushrooms. I'm not sure if that's the end of the list, but as you imagine, if your CEO is making news for taking drugs you might start to raise your eyebrows or even ask questions. What has he been doing or at least you know, been thinking of when it comes to some of the major decisions mm. in the past few months? Were they done to his full capacity? Were they done with the right intentions and you know, strategic thinking? and all something, right? It just brings it to mind mm-hmm. how competent he has been in the past year. So, understandably... Investors are starting to ask questions. The board is looking into his behavior. Yeah, there are a couple of negative headlines this morning related to Tesla, I must say. So for one, you just heard Elon Musk's drug use definitely coming under scrutiny. He does take an antidepressant called ketamine, but that's just one thing on the list. He's been reportedly been seen using illegal drugs as well. The Wall Street Journal reports his drug use is a cause of concern to executives at Tesla and SpaceX. In the meantime, Tesla is recalling some 1.6 million cars in China. They have a problem with their autopilot features. Now that is bad news for Tesla. The good news for Tesla's car owners in China, the problem can be fixed with a software update so they don't actually have to physically take their cars to a dealer to be repaired. Tesla's share price, meanwhile, more than doubled last year, but it fell about 4.5% during the first week of 2024. Well, now, one that still might be pretty sad for Kim Kardashian fans. Kim Kardashian is going to shut down her mobile game, Kim Kardashian Hollywood. It was launched a decade ago, and in the game, players create an aspiring virtual celebrity, which they then try to boost the fame of, think of like a... What was that? Pokemon? No, that thing you had to groom that grew up an egg. Well, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi, that's it. Have you ever played the Kim Kardashian game? No, no have you? No, I <laughs> have to admit, this is the first time I am learning there was actually a game. And this is a game that's lasted for a good 10 years. People and reaped millions, it. Ryan. It does look like there's a market for it. So as much as can tell, as you pointed out, it goes through the life of someone who's trying to be an A-lister from an E-lister. Then you go through <laughs> stuff like booking model jobs, acting jobs, going on dates, trying to be a celebrity virtually and be a Kardashian in that sense. And people seem to like it. You, know, you can buy stuff using K-coins. So if uh, you've got K-coins, you've got to spend it because it's shutting down. 
<laughs> the game was unapologetically tailored towards young women, says Polygon magazine. I think that's quite interesting because it shows uh, the game was quite successful for for a time, right? And it was an indicator maybe that mobile games targeted at young women could be a roaring success. You no, know we need a Michelle Martin game. I am up for that. M coin, M coin, minting today. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.